We continue again this morning, creating the conditions to be able to accommodate the full range of what may present itself within our stream of consciousness, within the field of awareness. So to support that, once again, we want to feel that sense of presence, that combination of being, feeling a sense of embodiment and being aware. Aware, the sitting body sitting, a sense of the immediacy of our experience. And that means beginning to sense or not, or continuing to sense not just the idea of our body, but the felt sense, our experience of sitting as a field of sensations, the elemental experience of the heaviness, the vibration, pressure, tingling, aliveness, gentle stillness, And then continuing as a way of supporting our remaining present, having our home base, our anchor of our body and breath. Knowing in real time how our body is breathing. knowing how our body expands and contracts or how air moves in and out of the nostrils. Just feeling those waves of breath from the beginning, the middle, through the duration of the in-breath or the rising or expanding feeling, beginning, middle, end of the out-breath, the falling feeling. Breath by breath. knowing that, it, that other experiences will naturally become stronger than the breath and the breath will move to the background and other experiences will move to the foreground of our awareness. And just as before, when sounds become stronger than the breath, we graciously receive them as simply the experience of hearing whether they're distant sounds, sounds in the room, sound of silence, whatever calls the attention. We don't need to comment on what is heard. We simply let the process of hearing occur, sounds appearing and fading in the openness of our, and receptivity of our awareness. will also be called to other physical sensations, being aware of their quality, sometimes aching, burning, stabbing, itching, tingling, squeezing, cool, warm. Notice their feeling tone of pleasant or unpleasant, neutral, 
experiencing the changing nature of, our, of the sensations that may become stronger than the breath. And as they fade or are less prominent or compelling, passed away, we settle back again into the simple experience of the sitting body sitting, breathing body breathing. Today we'll expand to include other experiences that you will likely notice. Remembering that the instructions are descriptions more than prescriptions. They describe the likelihood that you will experience some moods, some states of the heart, states of mind, emotions. You're likely to experience some common states of mind that when unrecognized tend to to torment us or make it feel as though we don't want to be here or want to be somewhere else. You're likely to feel the wanting mind. Usually the wanting mind is associated with some image or desire. Often it's the desire for the bell to ring. And that image of the bell, the secret to happiness. But we often don't recognize the felt experience of waiting or wanting. So we expand beyond the image or the idea of what, what may be the object of desire. We feel the state of desire. What does wanting feel like? It has a physiological characteristic and we let it be felt. And we notice that desire is a changing condition. It's like weather. The same with moments of aversion or irritation, moments of restlessness and agitation. Often they come with a story. Agitation often comes with worry or guilt, some kind of replay of memory. But we expand beyond that story associated with restlessness and feel it. Notice that every state of mind is a changing condition. And in noticing it's a changing condition, we can see that it's also a selfless process. It appears and it disappears by itself. It's not me, it's not mine. I'm not defined by this. Even dullness is not personal. It's a state of mind that comes and goes. And we attend to it with the same interest as we would Uh, the breath or other sensations. What does dullness feel like? And then the same with doubt. Common mental state that often has a story of of, uh, skepticism or negativity or self-judgment. We expand beyond the narrative of doubt to just feel what doubt feels like in our body. How does our body affected by it? We hover and feel that felt sense and notice that it's a changing condition. If you don't feed the story of doubt, we see that it fades quite quickly on its own. We shine the light of mindful attention on every experience and it becomes much more workable. We open in the same way to other moods and emotions, happy, sad, 
emotions of joy, grief, fear, anger, they often come with a narrative, uh, some event, some memory, and with that memory or thought comes a very strong reaction, a strong feeling, and we are marvelous at thinking about our feelings, but we're not so good at feeling them. So we expand beyond the story to include the feeling of anger, the feeling of grief. Where do we feel it in our body? What happens to it? James offered the rain. We recognize it. We accept it. We investigate. Not in terms of thinking about it. We investigate its quality, how it's felt, and its changing nature. And we see... We don't identify with it. We recognize its selfless nature. Notice that everything is changing. So the simplest feeling can be the source of insight into the nature of reality. So just as James mentioned yesterday, sometimes feelings come so strongly that it feels very difficult to accommodate. And in fact, feeling them tends to exacerbate them sometimes, especially feelings of anxiety or fear. Sometimes we become afraid of being afraid and they compound. So at any point that it feels that a feeling is too much to bear, we don't want to, as our, is our usual habit of checking out, getting distracted. We want to remain conscious but shift very voluntarily shift our attention to something, preferably in our body, that we can accommodate more easily. Some more neutral sensation, touch of the hands, the rear, the lips, and just hover, giving a reminder to our our psyche that the whole universe is not this very difficult feeling, that there are There are resources, there are refuges. And then we can sometimes shift back and forth between that more prominent feeling and this more simple feeling, resource. But in any case, when a a feeling or emotion begins to change as it will, it's no longer prominent, compelling, or has passed away, we in service of remaining undistracted, as long as that lasts, we anchor our attention again in our body and breath. As you notice the flow of experience, you'll begin to notice the relationship between the thinking mind, the different narratives that flow through our minds and the different feelings that flow through our body. And in the course of noticing the different narratives, you will just become more clear about the thinking mind in general, how the thinking mind arises unbidden. The thoughts are their own thinkers. They think themselves. And thinking is to our door of perception called mind as a sound is to the ear, a smell is to the nose, as a taste is to the tongue. It's a sense experience. So we want to treat it with the same graciousness as we do sense experience. So please 
Don't try to get rid of your thoughts. Try to make that shift from being carried along by them, lost in them, resistant to them, to noticing them, relating to them instead of from them. And in the course of noticing the flow of thinking, you will, you can simply acknowledge thinking, thinking. Or over the course of noticing thoughts, you're likely to notice the common themes of your thinking, what we call the top ten tunes. You can very gently note, ah, planning, mind planning, or comparing, rehearsing, evaluating, analyzing, judging, If you have to think about what kind of thought it is, don't bother, simply notice the flow of thinking. And as the thinking fades, as it will, notice the discontinuity of thoughts. And in that openness, after the last thought has ceased and before the next one comes, relax. And in the service of remaining anchored to the living present, we connect again with our body which is always here. Here, free of the past, which is just an idea, free of the future. Another idea, just this moment, just this breath or whatever presents itself. Everything welcome sky-like, impartial awareness. Every experience is the right experience because this is what's happening and you're noticing it just this moment.
certain mental states or attitudes will determine whether you suffer with your experience or not. So highlighting whether you're, whether there is kind of greed in the mind, wanting something to happen other than what's happening. This will create tension and create fatigue, create excessive striving. And we want to include that sense of greed in the mind, striving, often becomes like a, like a lens through which we're experiencing our practice. You might also notice the attitude of resistance or contentiousness. Just feel what that's like. Once we notice these attitudes, they are often self-correcting. We don't have to do anything. Just know whether they're straining to make something happen or you're resisting. Noticing whether you're kind of just going into a state of delusion or kind of fog. Notice if you're personalizing the experience building a story around what's happening. Just notice that. Because awareness has no strain, it has no struggle, it has no agenda, it resists nothing, it just knows. Just be aware of things as they are.
As we sit remembering the words of Gendon Rinpoche, happiness cannot be found through great effort and willpower, but is already present in open relaxation and letting go. So don't strain yourself that there's nothing to do or to undo. Let the entire process happen on its own, springing up and falling back like waves. And notice how all things vanish and reappear again and again. Only our searching for happiness prevents us from seeing it. Let go, let be as is.
once again when you hear the sound of the gong. Simply be aware of hearing. And the sound fades and you're ready to open your eyes. Be aware of the opening of your eyes. Be aware of that simple experience of seeing. And then be aware of any other movements that you make. There is a natural continuity of noticing. Everything included. I have to say it's a real pleasure to sit with you. Thank you for your practice up to this point. Um, have some time again this morning for any uh, questions that you have, uh, descriptions about your practice, uh, your, anything that's been said up to this point. Uh, don't be bashful. Please. Any thoughts on how to work with dreams? Uh, could you say a little bit more about your question? My dreams have just been very lucid. And yes. Yes. Should we disregard them, if, even if they're really intense, or explore them, or think about them? Uh, in general, uh, we try to you know, in the, in the practice of just continuity of mindfulness, you just, uh, we, we make ourselves available to the next thing that comes and that we don't look back. Uh, we, and so we treat it as, as we would anything. As a, you know, if, you th- if it comes into your mind as a memory, it's just, no, you're remembering the dream. So we don't get involved so much in the content of dreams. In this particular practice, there are, there are practices that, are not necessarily part of this retreat of um, dream yoga and lucid dreaming, all kinds of things, but that's not exactly what we do. And it is really common that you'll have intense dreams, really vivid dreams. And, and this is, a, you could describe this as a kind of psychic rotor rooter. You know, it just opens up your consciousness. And uh, so you'll have everything. And generally we just, uh, as one of my teachers said, it's just, it's, it's, these are just, lifetimes that you're living in your mind. It's one less life you'll have to live if you dream about it. (laughs) So try to be easy with it and understand that it does come with the territory. A lot of of, um, buildup of energy during the day, often it it discharges at night. The same teacher, his name was Punjaji, he used to say you could liken a a day of meditation to uh, sleepful waking but sleepful waking is often followed by wakeful sleeping. So not to be surprised by that. Please, in the back. I uh, have heard that it's 
That's such a beautiful question. What's the role of concentration in this practice? And in some ways, the difference between concentration and mindfulness. Mindfulness is just what knows. It's the knowing of whatever you're attending to. So there is mindfulness in, in gathering and sustaining. And what we're using as our, our means of, of uh, gathering and sustaining, that the, creating the conditions for concentration we're also being mindful of that experience that we're having. So mindfulness just knows, is fully conscious of what it is that you're, you're noticing. And in the Buddha's teaching, the, the, the qualities that, that um, lead to what he called, what we call concentration or samadhi, the cultivated mind, is uh, they are in some ways to a degree essential to be able to see in a very clear way with a, very, with a strength of mind because as our attention gathers, it, our mind becomes very strong, kind of laser-like. And that laser-like quality makes it possible to see with mindfulness in a much more subtle and clear way. But it's really used in the surface of that mindfulness, of refining the mindfulness. So we start with... Uh, at least some measure of concentration, but then as we, as we are more steady, we, we continue to notice everything, just like you described. And it turns out that if, as you notice each other experience, that you are also building the same qualities that build concentration. So it's simply a concentration either on a singular object, which we start with, or concentration that grows on changing objects. But the real net effect is that the mindfulness becomes much more strong and capable of seeing deeply into the nature of reality. You can see the way things move. You can see, you can experience the the selflessness of things. Where from a more superficial standpoint, superficial mindfulness, it all seems much more solid, monolithic. When, you, when it gets more subtle, the, the whole universe breaks up in a way. It kind of deconstructs experience. And not that we only see that way. We see on many different dimensions. But what really seems to have a, a, a deep impact on our hearts and our understanding is a seeing in a more refined way. And for that, some concentration is is uh, pretty essential. But they're really not so different. Please, with the white t-shirt, I forgot your first name. Uh, Sam. Sam Wright. Who are these two statuettes that we stare at? And is there a reason why there isn't the image of the happy chubby Buddha? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, I'll give the first one, the second one first, the happy chubby Buddha is not actually the Buddha. It's another deity that's often just uh, uh, conflated with the Buddha. <laughs> but did you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe you could say what the. Isn't this. The mother, mother, this is the mother of the Buddha. Is this a kind of the feminine manifestation of the Buddha? And then there's the uh, Siddhartha Gautama, the historical Buddha. Parjnaparamita's son. <laughs> no, I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> She's the mother of all the Buddhas. So just the understanding that uh, that uh, Buddhism is not uh, just a patriarchy. In the very back, please.
I couldn't hear so well. Somehow the difference between a mindful mind and imagination. Yes. How does mindfulness work with being a screenwriter? <laughs> a creative writer? over-analytical. Generally, in our mindfulness practice, we simply want to know that we can see the creative display of our mind, and we, we just, we don't get involved in the content of it. We just notice our mind is being quite creative, and it's amazing how the conditions of quiet and stillness open up our consciousness and allow that creative flow to, to really take off. But we, because our purpose is to develop insight and wisdom, and a, an open heart. We're, most, we're not so interested in the content of that. We're more interested in, in being able to uh, open to it and understand it as a kind of changing condition, like the, just the flow of, flow of consciousness. But nevertheless, you know, in spite of our intention to, to practice mindfulness, the creative process really goes. And sometimes what it is that we notice is a very strong analytic mind. So we notice a creative mind, we notice an analytic mind, we notice a lot of the, as we've mentioned, the judging mind, the comparing mind, and we simply notice that that's the process that's happening. And many people here, if I ask them to raise their hand, do you, have a, do you notice the over-analytic mind or the kind of analyzing mind? People would say, yes. But we don't, we don't judge that, we don't uh, make it wrong, we just, in fact, even over-analytic kind of makes it sound like a bad thing. But we just notice, oh, there's the analyzing mind. And that the analyzing mind uh, is not, it doesn't define us. It comes and then it goes. Where is it now? And so, th- so that's the kind of understanding that we can develop. And then it's even okay to, to notice the, it's completely fine to notice the analyzing mind. I don't know if that answered your question, but over here, please. Yes, thank you. What do we do? How do we do we ponder our difficulties or the, our tasks, the tasks that we need to do? Well, the first thing that came to mind was something one of my teachers, the person I mentioned last night, Anakar Kamanindra, said, the idea in practice is to be simple, not a simpleton. And part of the function of being attentive is to be also intelligent, creative, wise, intuitive. 
And it turns out that the more we're preoccupied with our internal drama, the less intuitive, the less intelligent, the less skillful, the less responsive we are to what needs to actually be done in our life. And we'll talk much more about this as we transition toward the end of the retreat. It's a great question. But you will find that the, that the more you have that naturalness, it's not something, it's not like an automaton, knowing this, knowing this, knowing this. It's a much more natural, much more open process that allows the, the love and intelligence to flow in a much more uh, functional, skillful way than being preoccupied and utilizing only our pondering mind to figure things out. That often gets in the way of making really skillful, uh, caring decisions. So you'll, but it's, it's learning how to trust that, uh, that, we, that if you are just generally in a relaxed, open awareness that your life will actually function 200% better. And there's so much to say about that. Okay, we actually have to, um, to transition a little bit because we have a, a few announcements. Again, those of you who were seen two days ago in group meetings will be seen today with one of us. So please, if, if you were seen two days ago, check the bulletin board. And those who were seen yesterday will not be seen today. You'll be seen tomorrow. And uh, so please come to, go to your groups. And again, uh, I'm in room two. Jane is in room one. James is in the council house. Then the last thing that uh, we want to share with you or uh, encourage you this morning is to be um, absolutely impeccable about keeping noble silence. We are 100% committed to creating a safe space here. And a safe space is absolutely essential to do this very, very tender work. And so please do not make any kind of verbal contact with any other Uh, yogi here for any reason even if they're your long lost friend or anything or for anything that you think they are doing wrong or anything that's happening please if you need to speak to somebody speak to one of the managers or speak to us guard each other's solitude with your life because we are so much more open we're in the heart of the retreat and uh, we and safety is essential for this process So please um, take care with the silence and at the same time, enjoy it and uh, savor it uh, and enjoy this day and and enjoy the unfolding of things. And notice the tendency to topple forward into the, the next moment, just coming back to the happiness that depends on conditions. See if you can make your well-being today independent of circumstances, unshakable, depending, no matter what's happening. Even if you're feeling miserable, notice, oh, this is what miserable is like. And if, oh, and if you have work meditation that requires some speaking, that's, uh, that's, not, that's not really breaking noble silence. That's, oh, yes. And, uh, Another urging to please refrain from using uh, scented products. Uh, Some people may have it on your clothes and don't even know it, but um, any intentional, please refrain from any intentional use of scented products because some people are quite sensitive. So please take care with that. Have a great day of practice.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.